Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for February 8th, 2021. Featuring the one and only Lee Stein leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC, once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic, usually held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. We've been hosting the Yop virtually since the pandemic began. For more info and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Matthew Adabit, Kate Gardner, Zan Jacobus, Max Race Mosa, Suzanne S. Austin Hill, Bridget Duffy, Serendria Rao, Earl Carlson, Stella Lee, Harvey Sauce, Jesse Bailey, Faye Lee, Seth Leeper, Sarah Lynn Rogers, Todd Friedman, Nancy Dimsdale, Frank Rubino, Bonnie Belay, Dante Clark, Jay Eason, and Josephine Blair. I hope you're in rhythm now. Those names seem to uh, be in a nice rhythm there. Uh, totally unplanned. Hope you enjoy it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for February. We are back for the start of the Yop open mic. Hope you enjoyed your break. I didn't go anywhere. I sat in the exact same spot and just looked at my phone uh, in uh, an homage to Lee's workshop. <laughs> um, I thought I'd share what I'm drinking tonight because I just got this uh, bottle of wine. It's called Il Poeta. Uh, I don't know if you can see that, but uh, it's a pretty fancy label and it's uh, very appropriate for tonight. Uh, the wine is like pretty good. It's not like the most amazing wine I've had. So maybe a little... Well, it's not disappointing, but I thought it was going to be amazing. It's now I'm like more impressed with the, the label and the name than the actual wine. But uh, I, I honestly don't really care. I'm not a wine snob. I'll just drink pretty much whatever. Um, we will move on to the actual events of me talking about alcohol. Uh, this is the open mic portion of the event. Uh, if you are reading tonight, uh, our office manager, Jay Eason, is converting people to panelists. Uh, they may have already done that. Uh, if for whatever reason they, they miss you, just send us a chat, say, look, help, <laughs> convert me to a panelist and we'll see it and convert you. Um, a couple of ground rules for the op open mic. Uh, we do record every open mic as you see tonight. We publish it as a podcast called the Yopcast, which you can subscribe to and rate five stars on iTunes. We would love it if you would do that. It would help more people find the podcast and all these poets that are reading every month. Um, you can also follow us on SoundCloud. We also vote for Poem of the Month at every YAWP. And the way to do that is simply to uh, send me a text message of the poet's name at 718-374-1953. Uh, and the 12 winners of Poem of the Month uh, over the course of the year face off uh, to compete for Poem of the Year honors at our December awards gala. Some of you attended that, uh, our first awards gala last December. Uh, it's the first time we split the, the final Yop of the Year and the Poem of the Year contest. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We're gonna do that again. Hopefully we'll be able to do it in person. We will see and have a proper gala, but uh, all of the winners of Poem of the Month will be invited to read for that. Um, so 
Uh, if you are reading tonight, you have a chance to do that. You can certainly vote for yourself you, if you want. Uh, everyone should vote once, 718-374-1953. Uh, I'll be screen sharing the text of people's poems. So you'll be able to see their name, uh, how they spell it, uh, their bio, and you'll be able to see the text of the poems. So, uh, and we'll review everything if, again at the end of the night. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. Arthur Russell can't be here tonight to remind me what I'm forgetting because he has a mentorship program workshop. Um, Another announcement about the Brooklyn Poet Reading Series next Thursday. That is our next event, uh, Thursday, February 18th, again at 7 p.m. on Zoom. Uh, our first Brooklyn Poets Reading Series uh, event of the year featuring Ricardo Alberto Maldonado, Hafiza Gitar, and Tarfia Faizula uh, will be here. <laughs> you can register on Zoom. We'll be promoting it tomorrow. This is co-presented with Brooklyn Public Library and their BPL present series. Uh, those are three fantastic poets. I'm excited about that. Uh, I should definitely check it out. Um, I think that is all. Uh, so we are gonna turn it over to our feature reader before we get to the open mic proper. And uh, Lee Stein's gonna read some amazing poems from that new book I told you about called What to Miss When. Thanks, Jason. So um, last year in March, about two weeks before my state of Connecticut went into lockdown, I decided to stop drinking alcohol for 30 days. And 11 days later, I started writing poetry again for the first time in nine years. So as Jason mentioned, I've written other books, I've written novels, um, but I had really lost poetry. Like it was a part of my life in my twenties and then I just lost it for years. And suddenly during the pandemic, it came back to me and I ended up writing this whole new book in six months. And my editor, Sarah, is here tonight at Soft Skull Press. So you're hearing my first poetry reading, <laughs> possibly years. Um, so I'm gonna read two medium poems and one short poem from this new book. It comes out in August. I will show you the cover at the end. Um, but this first poem, I knew, it, it, Following my workshop, see if you can find um, the ways I write about uh, digital experience in these poems and the way I incorporate sensory details. So this first one is called, my therapist gave me permission to want to lose weight without bringing Gloria Steinem into it. I hit my goal weight during the pandemic, not because I got sick or was too anxious to eat, but because I've been counting every Clementine since December using an app they advertise on the subway, alongside poetry I was too cynical to ever appreciate. I'm a feminist, I got the memo. I'm not allowed to post how much weight I lost or even that I wanted to cut back on drinking every night until I no longer felt guilty about what I was doing to shut up the first shift worker who thought she could just tell second shift me what to do. The evening crew works on different problem sets. She should know that. I tried leaving a post-it on her desk. Body positivity, ever heard of it? I'm supposed to love the body I have now, not the one I had six years ago, before my J-O-B became drinking to get through all the Facebook messages from women telling on one another for not censoring their thoughts enough for the sake of the community. Sick, I know. How much I tried to pleasure the impossible to please. Like the Nobel Peace Prize was mine, if I could just figure out how to end the internecine warfare of freelance feminists. Another glass of Chenin Blanc got me closer to solving for X. The third shift was when I used to lie in the dark on the couch, scrolling for anything to distract me from my ugly deja vu. 
Now my body is a woman I remember. We both clicked yes to accept the new terms of service. This poem title is um, my little sister's description of what it's like to be on social media. Everywhere you look, a spectacle. I wake up and touch my phone to see who was thinking of me as I slept. Every day, a new series of betrayals among the same players. Andy Samberg in a Hawaiian print shirt, dinosaur spectator, desert sunset, me in my bridesmaid dress, trying to suicide my way out of the time loop. The subtweet is an art like anything else. I do it exceptionally well. I can cry on command alongside the best of them. My touching off the cuff toast was perfected over the two day, decades I spent scrolling past lonely avatars. I would never say all you need is love, but I might say, have you ever considered antidepressants? For our honeymoon, we're going to 1994 where the notifications arrive by mail. Anticipation is a turn on until your meet cute becomes routine. Kristen Milioti had to teach herself quantum physics on YouTube to escape the rom-coms repetition glitch. All I have to do is sign off. All I have to do is sign off. All I have to do is sign off. That's a tip for anybody. If you're like, I don't know how to end this poem, just repeat. Just repeat the last line. That's a poem ending. That's a free tip. Okay, the last one I'm gonna read is the title of the book, What to Miss When. I'm making an editorial calendar for my nostalgia. Mondays are for attractions I once complained about, the slow motion crush of tourists, myself among them. So everyone likes the French impressionists the most, so what? On Tuesdays, I try to remember the orange blossom scent of my sister's hair. On Wednesdays, I rank everything I've ever eaten on an airplane. Thursdays are free for missing red velvet seats, the string section tuning to A, a cough so minor it can be quieted with a candy, standing ovations. Touch I've saved for Fridays, so I can spend all weekend scrolling through my catalog of who, how, where, when. Okay, thanks very much, Lee. Those Thank are, you. Those are so great. Um, it's nice to relive these again after just reading this whole book. Uh, we're really excited about it. Uh, props to Sarah Lynn Rogers for uh, plucking this book out of the, uh, I'm sure, competitive hands of many, many suitors. Uh, that's really cool for just good, like Broken Poets community synchronicity. I don't know what to call it, uh, but I was excited to see that uh, Sarah had uh, taken the book uh, for Soft Skull. So. Uh, and, uh, and for Lee to remember that she's, she's a poet and a great poet uh, and not just a prose writer. You've been, you know, you've been cheating on poetry all these years, but that's okay. Uh, we, still, we still love you as a poet. <laughs> um, okay, uh, thanks so much. Uh, look for that book. When, when does it come out again? Did you already tell everyone? I probably missed that. Um, it comes out in August and the cover looks like okay. this. Man, we gotta wait till August? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't gotta wait, but you all gotta wait. Uh, but uh, you can pre-order it, right? You yes, you can pre-order and then in August you'll have a present you totally forgot about. <laughs>
and that's a good thing uh especially if you're a leo uh so all you leos <laughs> out there like me uh pre-order that shit uh okay thanks very much lee uh we are moving on to the first reader on our open mic list oh here's the cover by the way it's a fantastic cover so let's do this let's do the slow reveal as it zooms in <laughs> this picture in the bottom right uh it's a great cover it's a great title um, okay, our first reader on the open mic list. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce your name correctly, so uh, definitely correct me on that last name if it is wrong. Matthew Atabit. That That's right. Sound. That's right. It yeah, out of that, right, yeah. But, uh, all right. Yeah. Atabit. All right. Uh, welcome. It's your first time at the uh, Broken Poets Yop open mic, yes? Yeah, first time. All right. Good luck. Thanks. Um, yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at Matthew Adabet. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This is a poem called Remember. Canopy, bark, and bowl offer nutriment, loam scent and rain scent, this close darkening evening, evolving silhouettes against the sky fade, hardly discernible black over blue, upturned leaves, a storm marks its path by way of yellowing cloud stacks. The gift of the trees sends electricity through human nerves, sends current through human veins. A walk cannot be paced at such an hour during such a season. Remember before the village, a fire rooted itself at the center. A brilliant navel revolved about, watched intently, separating the human family from swaths of what we thought was chaos. A fire gifting warmth, a fire gathered rather than kindled. Remember deeper before grammar, a memory of story and heat when the body was the story, when nations, proud nations existed not, when delineation existed not and the seamless garment of human emotions folded itself each evening as the embrace of a mother might enfold her child. Permeable skin on permeable skin Milk scent and skin scent, a, a shelter against the night, a nest made from the night. Okay, thanks very much, Matthew. Uh, beautiful work. Uh, and thanks for joining us tonight and uh, starting us off. It's always sort of a, a brave thing to go first during the open mic. Uh, but uh, love the work. Keep coming back, like your glasses too. True poet's glasses for sure. Uh, all right, our next poet in the open mic lineup is Kate Gardner. How are you, Kate? Good. Nice to see all of you Brooklyn poets. This is my first time. It's called Witness. The city then lurid with dirt and danger a cracked hacker of miracles. Christmas Eve in the subway, Christopher Street Station amid din of decayed, trains clamor of exuberant graffiti and sick at heart smell of homeless urine. A young man sings, all is calm, all is bright, playing bass on an overturned washtub rigged with broomstick and one cotton string offspring of an African harp transplanted savagely into the American slave state. 
A kneeling boy swishes drum brushes on the bucket bottom. Five stops away, Wall Street bellows out millions that won't make it to the coffers of this church. Silent night echoing soft off its stained tile walls. Shepherded into grace, I put my meager gift in the jar. Lovely poem, Kate. Thank you very much. I love that ending. Uh, I love the verb shepherded. Uh, that's just a great use of that verb, first of all. But uh, a terrific last line. Thank you, Jason. Okay. Yeah. Um, shepherd into grace. I would like to be shepherded into grace. I don't, I'm not sure I will be ever, but that would be nice. <laughs> well, uh, you never know. Yeah. I can uh, always, the city could hope. come. City could come back as a cracked hacker of miracles. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. Is that the first time you've read for the app, or have you read? Yes, for this is the okay. first time. Congrats. Uh, welcome to you as well. So uh, it's nice to start with two first timers. Uh, show them love in the chat. Uh, if you haven't already, I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Uh, our third poet is no stranger to many of you who have come to the op or uh, been in Brooklyn Poets classes. Uh, one of our longtime Brooklyn Poets folks, Zan Jacobus. How are you, Zan? I'm good. Thanks, Jason. All righty. Go for it. All Souls Bells. <clears throat> I hear the rustle of loosened souls hiding in dry bushes on this November night, and I imagine my shroud. And my shroud's fabrication, a holy coven seems to hold whips, long leather-like lines of thread flung from four far corners. It's a public flogging, no, a weaving. The threads under and over themselves congeal into one shroud, the crowd watching. I see the fabric 10 years on, threads parted, maybe lonely, wound around bone. A shroud, a dressing, not a dress, for a body, that which will be mine. Will I be clothed underneath? Will I roll me into my shroud? Can I ring it round my arms to stop my roll? Ring it round my chest to still my breath? Ring it round my legs so they can't part? Some new kind of bell to ring, some new kind of swaddling without pink or blue stripes. As though I could decide to finish living or win a hundred years if I resist. But it's like birth, I had no choice. It won't be me who wraps me in my shroud. It will not be a bell for me to ring. I'm sorry, my fruit and sweet. Wrap me well when you hear bells. Don't listen for the rustle of my soul. Okay, thank you. Another great ending. You guys are really nailing these endings so far. My fruit and sweet. <laughs> um, I think I saw Joe say in the chat, I don't think I've seen you since the Hamptons retreat either. Have I? Garrison. Garrison. Oh, yeah. Garrison. That's right. Well, another retreat. Not, not as warm, but. <laughs> oh, retreats. I miss retreats. Me too. Uh, and it's yeah. so good to see again. <laughs> uh, I feel like we'll be able to do that, the, the Garrison retreat this fall, but uh, we'll see. We never know. Uh, not sure about the Hamptons one. Um, okay, it's great to see you again, Zan. Thanks for this fine poem. 
Uh, our next reader tonight, uh, I believe another Yop debuter, although I, I think we heard from Max during the workshop portion last month, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Uh, is it Max Race Mosa or Rasamosa or something else? It's Race Mosa. Race Mosa. Okay. Yeah. And this is your first time open miking, yes? Yeah. All right. Uh, glad to see it. Good luck. Thanks. Something like a love letter. Sometimes I cry so hard I'm afraid it will break me. Afraid it will never stop. The way everything sinks down to the center, a center that's deeper than the well of my singular life, plunges straight into the earth's molten core and it all erupts out of me brows furrowed so hard it hurts it hurts it hurts the cycling seesaw a screaming drags through me like broken glass scraping asphalt a plow in late february taking chunks from the pockmarked brooklyn streets there's nothing wrong with me i'm a fucking marvel a magician a wild compassionate lunatic not meant to toil for table scraps my mind is too beautiful to waste away inside the hollow words of diagnoses and the straitjacket of neurotypical cash-driven demands. In a sick, fucked up, toxic world, to feel the pain bubbling up from the center, it doesn't make me crazy. Just because I haven't learned how to go numb, how to hit snooze. I close my eyes while five voices sing in harmony over the noise-canceling headphones my autistic ass got for my future city-dwelling self good looking out. They flow like warm honey. An electric buzz vibrates through my body, a firework display of shooting stars, clear cerulean blue, tourmaline black, tiger's eye sparks. I can feel their charge on my skin, can smell the sharp aliveness, can taste their hiss in my cheekbones, a symphony of colors, and all the cringy textures go smooth. My body tingles, a glass river flowing, moving, churning, but so still. I wonder as the tears of awe stream down my face, what is it like to listen to music as a normal person? And thank God I'm not one of them. Hold on to that thank God, Max, when the monsters pry your eyes open at 4 a.m., show you noir films of your own repressed trauma, your darkest moments of alone, of an unwanted so empty you chose the big silence. Hold on to that thank God when the spinning, spiraling, free fall fit steals you into its belly. Observe this reality and know the next thank God is on its way. You are strong enough to feel this pain. Breathe through it. There's nothing you cannot endure. You are not made of porcelain. The crying, the shaking will not rupture you. You're not a landmass with fault lines. You are so much more pliable, resilient than you'll ever be able to tease out in metaphor or hyperbole. You are not what's broken. You, my dear, are a fucking marvel and I need you alive. Yes. Uh, I love it. Uh, I love the ending. Again, another fantastic ending. Uh, I have been planning to, to talk about that fucking Marvel line, the whole poem, when the first time it appeared. And then you brought it back at the end, uh, which is the even better. Uh, it's like you overheard the greatness of your own poem. You are a fucking Marvel. Uh, well done. Uh, and great 
hat. I think that's a hat. Yes. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Like the flat bill. Is that like a flower pattern underneath? Okay. Well played. <laughs> you are a fucking marvel. I need you alive. We all need you alive. Um, thank you for that, Max. Great stuff. Our next reader tonight uh, been yapping with us with regularity over the last uh, half year now. Uh, it's been great to have you with us every month. Suzanne S. Austin Hill. How are you tonight? I'm just doing fine. Good to be All here. Right. Good to hear it. I always love seeing your office. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, this is the first of two poems that came out of Robert uh, Balaam's uh, workshop uh, last month. Slowing down to feel. In spite of endless amounts of time, how long is this going to take? First, excuse me, for, from first cry to last breath, soft, unsteady baby steps turn to thunderous, deliberate assaults against time. Drops on a rainy day settle on a leaf's drip tip, a delicate excuse to not do what needs to be done an honest attempt not to extinguish the fire of the subjective battle between laziness and productivity, flesh and spirit, poetry and prose. But three pictures look like me. I know I need to move. Be water, my friend, or you'll stagnate. OD on martial arts movies, detox with Tai Chi. It's a challenge to find moments, places of release and wonder, that will save my body and my mind. I look inward, there's movement there too. It's on a journey, locked down, but not locked up. Roads, streets, avenues, lanes, places and drives, paved and properly maintained upon which past and past, present and what lies ahead flow freely. May they always be free of potholes where memories are lost liberated from traffic jams where names become trapped, unfettered by congestion where information is tangled. May not one synapse experience gridlock, one remembrance block the box. There's a kind of power in taking agency over our bodies and our internal world. For the first time, I tapped into the power of movement and felt this meditative grace. In it, I found an escape. It's all up to me. There's no time to worry or to try to make it better. It either works or it doesn't. You land with grace or you stumble and fall. That absoluteness, that finality is freedom. My body yields to every suggestion. This is the place I long to always be. Not where ease is damned between, excuse me, behind walls of disease, and every stress morphs overhead as dark clouds of distress. But where an ever-present soothing calm continues to dance on the air and the challenged are constantly consumed by and swayed gently to its rhythm. And that has made all the difference. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Suzanne. And did you want to explain some of these? I saw you, I see like a good poet. You included your references at the end. That last one was definitely Frost. Yes. Uh, uh, in addition to using articles and notes, tidbits of old poems that lie dormant. Oh, I see. So that was the exercise in that, that workshop was called Montage, Montage's Poetic Form. Yes. yes. So you had to like recover old fragments. 
-hmm. And I had quite a few fragments to uh, use. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we all do. Uh, It's either depressing or exciting, depending on how you look at it. But uh, this is exciting. You got to to rescue them and give them new life. Uh, So that's very cool. Uh, How is this book, by the way? I've always wanted to read that book, the Misty Copeland book. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. He's got an awesome story and just has, uh, you know, excelled beyond belief. And George Balanchine um, described the body of the perfect ballerina. And she has that body. (laughs) Yeah, I don't doubt it. Um, Okay. Great stuff, Suzanne. Thanks very much. My pleasure. Our next poet of the evening. Uh, Again, no stranger to many of you who've been yapping with us lately. Uh, Bridget Duffy, how are you doing? Hey, not so bad. How about you? I'm good. Um, right, so go I was gonna name this poem for my dog, but then I thought dogs can't read. So has no title. They start little and full of everything except brains, charming us with their simple joys. Eat, sleep, run fast in the grass, be alive. We appreciate such uncomplicated selfishness and such very small feet. They bring us their rope and rubber treasures and fall asleep in our beds. This is love. So we give them stupid names, a habit left over from Eden, Ozzy, Alice, Shadow, Hugo. They oblige us and learn to come when we call alongside a few other words in our strange language. Walk means go outside. No means not allowed. Shake means what a fine boy you are. Tears mean lay your head in my lap, please. Laughter means very good dog. When it's time for them to go, we pet them too hard and try our best not to weep into their soft sides, worried that we'll frighten them, worried that they're frightened laying there on that cold table for the last time. But as they slip beyond here to wherever is next, they hear us whisper goodbye, which means I love you, baby. See you soon, be good. Okay, thank you. That was lovely and sad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, very true, that whole thing. Um, okay, yeah. Um, all of you that have pets, especially dogs, will appreciate that poem. Um, <laughs> I also appreciate Bridget's uh, avatar uh, for cat. Thanks, it's my brand. Yeah, we've seen that cat before <laughs> at the Yop, sometimes interfering physically with the reading of the poem, but in a good way. Uh, our next reader, I think, is another Yop debuter. Uh, we heard him during the workshop sharing portion. Uh, correct me if I'm saying your name wrong. I'm trying to remember how Renee said it. Surendria, yeah. Surendria. I'll say it for you, yeah. Yeah, yeah do that. <laughs> yeah. And your, your last name too? Rao. Rao, Surendria Rao. Beautiful name. Thank you. All right. Welcome. Go for it. Uh, Yeah, so this is called Waiting for Penelope. If you were here at this coffee place where reggaeton drones and copy-pasted rhythms grow, weary, linger, settle onto chairs, these four-legged bar stools that dangle legs like oxtails, bell ropes, gudgeon pinned to yoke backs back and forth, pendulously fidgeting, positioning just so, to clink a coffee spoon, to sip the coffee cold, 
to wait too long for a thing that hasn't come, as if all the world's a stage curtain and something else behind. If you were here at this coffee spot where tall tables stand like props and small talk flickers like asides to extras, where the blabber of the pavement shuffles in to stay a while and nothing happens every day, where caffeine drinkers and toast eaters, chewing toast in time, cutting avocado toast with a knife, measure out their lives and followers and likes, set cues and lines and moleskin pages, while baristas traffic across their stage, ten and two hours of secret reckonings of tips, coffee cups, and unwashed plates. If you were here at this coffee shop, where traffic pauses to honk its protest on this East Village block, and the delivery trucks hang out, the trucks with American flags, 718 area codes, and names like J. Campania and Sons, blazing bright on studded dusty white metal walls, the ones that idle while a mute ladder appears, gripped in a thick glove with the thick grimed men, who gather outside, amble to the day's construction site, to pierce the brick and slime of city streets, make a racket, start a scene, and you wait for it every day, waiting for Penelope. But nothing comes of it, it seems. If you were here, at this cafe, where the music plays every day, and people come and go, keep coming and going like traffic signs, and the owner prepares a smile, the same one he makes for you every time, a wan sigh that says, oh, you're here again, and you were placed on the stand, legs hanging, eyes confined, to a window or wall, considering Windex and Lysol, if you remarked, how banal, then you would know just what I mean to say, the question that doesn't matter anyway, that doesn't matter at all. Okay, fantastic stuff, uh, Surrendria. Uh, what an homage to Proofrock. Uh, I missed if you were saying something in the intro, if that was like a homage to Proofrock, or if you didn't say anything. It was it. a long apology for, for writing poetry, uh, which you <laughs> can be skipped. Yeah. I think I only realized fairly late uh, uh, in time that I would never stop trying to write poems, so I, I'm constantly apologizing for doing it, but... Um, I think the poem is what it is. Yeah, but that was definitely influenced by the love song of J. Alfred Proofrock, was it not? By T.S. Eliot? Yes, the original title was Proofrock Drinks Coffee in the East Village. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I like that title, too. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully you all know that poem. Hopefully we haven't forgotten that poem in the uh, internet age. Uh, great stuff, great music in that poem uh yeah and coffee shops <laughs> when was the last time i sat in a coffee shop and uh read or wrote our next poet uh, i think we heard from for the first time last month uh earl carlson uh how are you earl doing good how about you all right i'm good glad to have you back thank you fragrance and laugh outright only sadder of course too sharp strong they had made everything look even darker, the solid massiveness, the same house, ground zero, taste of air, blah, blah, blah. Went quiet all of a sudden. What the fuck, I care. I like him. I, I, I love him, I do. I'm happy and he loves me. Her body, dusk, her skin, the lotus, soft and perfect for the, the, the young ailing woman. 
She was breathing, breathing, feeling coming fast, feeling the pressure, feeling like she got to breathe. During the day, bedroom windows illuminated by, together we tangle, touch, spending lives expressing. A counterbalance. Anyone who is reaching in the past, heat and cold, hunger and thirst, their ordinary fruit, the average individual is sufficiently physically comfortable, not irreparable. That man cracked up, then pushed the button, a picture start to form. What's this? Beaches, am I right? Yeah, beaches. Fragrance of a flower, delicate, perfume, everything. Oh, that's cool, that's cool, but beaches, blah, 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 blah. What the fuck I care, I like him. Last year, 100-year-old trees painted the sky black. Too sharp, too strong. They had made everything look even darker. The solid massiveness, the same house, ground zero, taste of air. Together we tangle, touch, spending lives expressing. Remove your good, I have seen your fire, spirit, lightning, sharp as a razor. He was breathing, breathing, feeling coming fast, feeling the pressure, feeling like he got to breathe. I, I, I love her, I do, I'm happy, and she loves me. His body, dusk, his skin, the lotus, soft and perfect for the young, the, the young ailing man. Heat and cold, hunger and thirst, their ordinary fruit, not irreparable. Beaches, am I right? Yeah, beaches, heat and cold, hunger and thirst, fire, spirit, lightning, taste of air, only sadder. Of course. Okay, thanks very much, Earl. Peaches, am I right? Uh, I almost feel like that would be a nice phrase to encapsulate 2020, uh, the lack thereof. Um, uh, yeah, interesting form. And again, great reading. I think I said that last time. You had a great reading voice. Uh, that's an asset, I think, as a poet. Um, Okay, uh, keep coming back. Love what we hear and see. Our next poet, uh, again, no stranger to many of you, who uh, was one of our winners of Yacht Poem of the Month last year. Give it up for Stella Lee. Hello and good evening. This much about the universe I know to be true. In my fingertip lies a universe filled with dark and light, birth and death, energy expanding over and over itself. In my heart, I find another universe because there are so many ways to see and so many ways to listen that you can catch a piece of yourself from the past looking back at you. When I dream, I find the places where I came from. I remember because sound travels and light travels and time travels and eventually, I am back again to see and feel these lives I miss. 
I cord off a tiny space in the sky and call it by a name. It falls closer and feels warmer to me because stars give off light that time travels and remembers me from before and reminds me of what I will be. Besides, we all want to be named by love and sometimes renamed by beings looking up in the sky, giving off their reverence as we embody their hopes. We try to map, navigate, coordinate space, tell the galaxy how it should be, delineate how it should look, sound, be understood. We want to be on other planets and find other places far away from home. We search, longing for a time when we will meet others who are not like us or just like us. What we know is water holds a key to life in its molecular structure. Oxygen gives us breath at the cellular level. Stars are not the only things that shine at night. I know that stars are not the only things that shine during the day. The edges of the universe keep expanding. There are places filled with energy and places void of energy. Colors flood every corner of this universe more than our eyes can see. I know the colors flood every corner of my eyes more than light will let me see. Because sometimes we are too busy to look up or look down, to see how the universe breathes, how it pulsates, how all around us, holding on, pulling us in, the universe lives in the eyes and hearts of mother's children. Okay, thanks very much, Stella. What a beautifully cosmic poem. Uh, I love it. Uh, I get all the feels that I get, you know, when I meditate every morning, <laughs> but uh, this is better. <laughs> I wish I, I need to like uh, listen to this recording tomorrow morning uh, when I meditate and then I, I will feel the universe. I will feel my awareness feeling me <laughs> as I've been instructed to do. Uh, great stuff. Uh, I like the long lines in this poem. If you know my work, you know, I love long lines. Uh, shame on all you poets that never use long lines. Uh, our next poet is the one and only Harvey Suss. How are you, Harvey? Please unmute yourself. Don't forget. Did you forget again? Nope. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I can. All right. Okay. Good fine. job. Uh, just a couple of things. Uh, I'm well. I hope you are as well. Uh, I would like to take a moment to invite uh, all of your guests to uh, an open mic uh, that I'm hosting this Saturday at 4 p.m. Uh, for Artful Dodgers Poetry featuring uh, two poets from Boulder, Colorado, one of whom I've heard recently, uh, Uchi Abuyi, I think, uh, and quite liked. Um, I've posted into the chat uh, the invitation with Zoom and invite you to join us. Uh, the open mic is fairly generous and we usually get to everybody. Uh, this is a poem, the poem that I'm going to read, that I wrote the day after Holocaust Remembrance Day. Uh, just a couple of references. Daimler Benz refers to the company that makes Mercedes Benz uh, and also employed forced labor during World War II, uh, subsequently paying the sum, I think, of $10 million for the, uh, the time and lives lost. Uh, and the Shema is the, 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 um, the primary uh, Jewish prayer, basically hero God, or hero Israel. 
This is called, uh, let me get my version up here. This is called, his name was Yitzhak. As her father was dragged away, garbage to be disposed of, his faded elegance not strong enough for forced labor at Daimler Benz, his card stamped with a fatted calves expiration date, his defiant Shema Yisrael having pissed off a guard, he called out to her, remember my name, child. That she had survived was a miracle in itself. Years later, able to purchase with her totemically American credit card, a lampshade without experiencing feelings of scorpions climbing her spine. The fear it was some friend of hers whose skin had been flayed. If the allied troops had waited just one more day, their tanks and trucks mired down in the mud or engaged in suppressing skirmishers who stood in their way, rear guard Aryans who hadn't yet blacked their hair with shoe polish, the camp liberators might have found her, a gymnast whose cartwheeling early promise had high barred by the age of 10, positioned atop a pommel of bones as if vaulting to freedom. A thumbs down discard among the discarded, a rack of ribs with not even a child of her own to remember her. Having decamped in Bronx, New York, after the war, she endures this Holocaust Remembrance Day as she has before, parentless, alone, her grown children too busy with their lives. No mother, dreidel spinning in a new dress to burst through the door with honey cake and such a mischievous smile. No father, second generation furrier to the rich, preening in his fur coat to drum up business well regarded by Jews and Gentiles alike, despite his Jewishness. As the Goyim forever angling for pure blood discounts were at pains to remind him, collaborators smug in their forbearance. She has since felt herself half baked a pastry snatched from the oven too soon. How was a girl not having bled supposed to become a woman without her mother, hair done up in a bun to pat her on the head, urge her to finish her homework, point her in the right direction, be her cottage compass. This night, she will light a candle in their names, say a prayer in Aramaic, a curse in English, the latter with a bitter taste. On this day of remembrance, she remembers them all. Father, mother, sister, brother, but her father especially calling out to her. His name was Yitzhak, hers, Sophia. Okay, thank you, Harvey. You're welcome. Uh, honorable poem. Uh, yeah, honoring history. Uh, it's a great subject. Well delivered. <laughs> like my comments are terrible right now. Uh, but uh, I appreciated that poem very much. 
and uh, all of you that want to do the uh, open mic that Harvey talked about, his background is what, what that place looks like when you actually go in person. Uh, so check it out virtually. Uh, our next reader is a former Broken Poets student of mine. It's good to see him here tonight, Jesse Bailey. How are you, Jesse? Hi, Jason. Doing pretty good. Right. I uh, wrote a depressing poem, but I promise I'm not mostly a depressing person. And it's provisionally titled, My Welcome to the Old Apartment Again. I finished the day where I began at my desk, a day of telling software how not to behave. I walk into the remaining room and look for something new, but no, everything remains unchanged. The clothes still stacked on the chair unsorted are waiting to be placed in some less visible location. The dishes one run wild in the sink, breeding and propagating the reminder that I am lazy and unmotivated. The stove has accumulated a layer of crust, a challenge I've not yet to rise to. I can't describe the army of regret in the fridge. The plants sag and sigh, accepting their fate to adapt or die in this desert. Perhaps I should throw them out. The table is covered in a fresh blanket of bills and meaningless mail. Each damn piece of text reminds me I'm a number, a statistic. I remember that there are cheaper places and quieter places to be lonely. I've stopped looking in the mirror. I'm not afraid of the ghost I see, just tired. He tells the same boring stories, performs the same tricks. Instead, I stare at the skyline through the window. What began as a film about adventure became a still life portrait of contemplative disillusion. I've heard it said that yearning teaches us where we're meant to go. I've heard we all have a story to tell, a song to write. Maybe the world has a place for mine. Do I? Okay, thanks very much, Jesse. That was depressing, but also inspiring. Uh, I think you're seeing the chat. We all love depressing shit. That's why we're poets. Uh, I truly never understand when I'm like looking at Netflix and I'm just like, oh, let's watch this. And it's like a dark drama. My wife is like, don't you want to watch something light and funny? I'm like, why would I want to do that? <laughs> like, that's not entertaining. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's very, uh, very sad and uh, very uh, apartment. Uh, I like apartment poems. I like the lonely apartment poems. Uh, if you've read my first book, you know, <laughs> I favor these kind of poems. So yeah, I just you... got it the other day. So. Oh, great. Well, <laughs> I assure you, I didn't ask him to say that. Um, <laughs> it's good. You should get it. Yeah. Read more, write more of these. Uh, I, I, I'm all for these poems. Uh, yeah. The sort of depressed, <laughs> unmotivated poems where you're feeling the army of regret moving in. Great phrase. Uh, okay, thanks very much, Jesse. I'm glad we get to see your apartment behind you. Looks kind of tidy. Our next poet uh, is, uh, is it Faye Lee? Correct me yes. if I'm saying that wrong. That's correct. Yes. All right, this is your first time reading for us tonight, yes? Yes. 
All right. Glad to have you. Go for it. Thank you. As also, uh, I'm also very new to poetry, so uh, I'm so glad to be here. Um, American fancy. Mama, I arrive. The new land. Grand grows into the clouds in the backyard. From the bones, buried hundreds summer ago. Snow white to not breast my plate. With memories from the Pacific Ocean. A stranger wandering around boulevards, subways, squares, at night. Wakes up in someone else's dream. I take charge of carrying out cuneus. Sometimes kawaii, not always neglected. It functioned correctly in math, massage, laundry, orange chicken, through an accented English. The white father will see me and smile fondly before he erases me again. Mama, I hear a muse one sighing in the snow. I must ditch my apron and sing. With them, if we open our chest, if we deep up our hearts, if we hear the sky, will we breath? A poet once said, "A poem should end better than a life." Is this true? Great stuff, Faye. Thank you.、Uh, Thank you. Wonderful poem. I think is Lisa in the chat. It's a great title, first of all, but、uh, I love this form too.、Um, what poet said that a poem should end better than a life? Uh, Adam, uh, Zagajewski. Zagajewski, no shit. He was a former teacher of mine. Uh, I don't wow, remember. I love ever, his poem. I don't remember him ever saying that in class. Maybe he did, and I forgot. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's cool. Um. So you just read Adam, or did you work with him at some point, by any chance? Did you just read Adam's work and? and yeah, I just read. I just love his work, so I read. I、oh, yeah, yeah. I, I just started writing a few months ago.、So. Nice. I haven't talked to him in many years, but the next time I do, I'll mention this.、Yeah. <laughs> a poem should end better than a life.、Uh, good advice from、uh, Mr. Zagievsky. Um. If you don't know Adam Zagievsky, I'll spell his name in the chat. A <laughs>、uh, great Polish poet、um, used to teach at the University of Houston.、Uh, okay, thanks very much, Faye. Thank you.、Uh, keep coming back. Love what we heard. Our next poet tonight is Seth Leeper. How are you, Seth? Doing good. How are you? I'm great. Go、All、for、right. it. Okay, thanks. So here we go.、Um, Comedians are fueled by family tragedy, a surreal painting. Funny how hard candy will make you wake up screaming at the blight against flesh, alcohol on a scab, acid. Oh, I had a snack. Acid on hangnails, the sizzle of flesh being molded like an elbow, melted down, worn as a mask. Someone called the police when they saw him wearing their skin. Of course, this is something only a man would do, because they fit into every room and can always find a drawer. Another palm melted down, lead into gold. Every family has its own crest. Every family a coat of arms. 
He melted her down and watched her slinky down the steps. The sound of her buoyancy echoed off the kitchen pots. <clears throat> he swore he saw the sounds in stainless steel. And though he was far from spotless, he polished the jewelry before slipping on the brass heirloom bracelet. Okay, thanks again, Seth. <laughs> Just like last month, there's the velocity of your poems. He's like, I can't even keep up. I love it. Uh, I love how fast these poems are. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is that is that something you've been working on lately? This like high velocity short line poem, or is that is that how you? I can't remember if that was like the first poems you read when you joined us. Um, I think the first poem I read was like kind of like a prose piece, which I don't write. Right. Yeah. There, I don't. And yeah, um, Lee's, uh, Lee's session early was really great. So thank you for that. Um, and she was talking about, I guess, like narrative elements to prose. And I always just think of prose as like poem blocks. I'm very unsophisticated that way. <laughs> no, that just means you're a poet. <laughs> yeah, that's what we all do. We're like, actually, this is not flash fiction. What is that? This is a prose poem. <laughs> yeah. Moby Dick? What? Moby Dick's not a novel. That's an epic poem. Come on now. Yeah. We all know the truth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm loving this stuff. Keep, uh, I like, I like velocity, uh, just as a word, and then I like it when a poem is really fast like that. It's a good word. Uh, yeah, exactly. All right, thanks very much, Seth. Uh, our next poet is uh, not only a great poet but uh, a brilliant. Uh, selector of manuscripts, <laughs> as we already know from uh, What to Miss When. Uh, Sarah Lynn Rogers, how are you, Sarah? Hi, Jason. I'm good. I am um, happy to be here. <laughs> All right, we're happy to have you here. Okay. Um, cosmic Tantrum. Have you ever clenched your soul into a fist? Some of us plummet down every oh well like a spell. I can too do this thankless task. Saturn, I misunderstood the ask. Can always pull a thousand colored kerchiefs from a pocket of rage, quiet and competent. Yes, enjoy the sleeve bouquet. I already sent that fucking email. It is true the great wolf Fenrir held still as the gods bound him. A very good boy. Flick of tail, gleam of teeth, everyone feared until they didn't. You made us do this to you, say the gods of old, of capital, dysfunction. What are boundaries to a tool? How can the shadow speak of personhood? Saturn, I wanted to return me, felt my core collapse, chaos in orbit around nothing. But this black hole isn't empty. Someone vibrates at the center, a dense, reactive knot. Hello, I call to her. I lower kerchiefs, stealing from the gods my lowly magic. Thank you. Okay, uh, it's a good thing I was muted because I was laughing out loud in that whole poem. <laughs> Oh man, uh, can somebody make me a t-shirt or plaque of I can too do this thankless task. Uh, it's a daily mantra for me. It's like a mantra every minute practically. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I already sent that fucking email. Uh, I think that was a line, yes? Yes, uh, I've definitely thought that exact phrase many times in my life. 
Um, but probably the best line is the one that we quote in the chat. What are boundaries to a tool? <laughs> that might be the greatest line I've ever read. What are boundaries to a tool? Uh, I feel like the next time I'm talking to a tool, that exact line is going to enter my head and I'm going to be very happy. Uh, and I'll just start laughing. Uh, and that person will have no idea why I'm laughing. Uh, thank you very much, Sarah. That was uh, fantastic stuff. Our next reader tonight uh, is Todd Friedman. Hey, Jason. How are, you, How are you? I'm doing well. Good. A letter to Chief Bromden and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I don't know how much mail you get. I suspect that most of it's about the more dramatic scenes in the novel. But I wanted to focus on a short scene. It's only a few paragraphs. And readers could easily read right past this scene where you put down your broom and lose yourself in a picture on the wall. I could see myself doing something like that. For there was a time when I'd walk for hours at night, staring long and hard at the moon, trying to feel a connection to something. It's just a picture of a guy fly fishing. And probably few, if any, people actually take the time to look at the picture. But you sit down on one of the rocks and you hear the stream crashing, smell the snow, and feel the cold wind coming down from the mountains. Yet, relaxed as you are, you raise an objection. You say the fisherman shouldn't be using a fly in a little pool, that he should be using a single egg on a number six hook. Like I said, it's a short scene. Later, McMurphy will coax the first words out of you that you've uttered in years. Your cover will be blown and no one will be able to think of you as the dumb Indian anymore. After they lobotomize McMurphy, you'll smother him with a pillow to put him out of his misery. And in the end, you'll lift the control panel and smash it through the window to break free the lesson McMurphy had been trying to teach you all along. Nevertheless, this short scene where you say you're looking out from the frame is a sure sign that you're climbing back into your life. And I just wanted to tell you, I was really happy for you then. All right, thanks very much, Todd. Uh, Thank you. It's great to bring this book back and these characters that I love. Uh, yeah, so almost like, uh, did you take that class with me where we worked on conversation poems? I can't remember. No, I took blank verse with you. Yeah, no, that I remember. I couldn't remember if you took the other one too. Yeah, there's another workshop where I ask everyone to write a conversation poem. So okay. seems like it could fit that bill. <laughs> you should save it in case you're ever <laughs> asked to workshop a conversation poem. But I guess, yeah, I think it would work. Uh, yeah, really good stuff. Uh, lots of literary, fun literary references and influences tonight. Uh, you're all wonderfully well read, which I love. Uh, our next poet tonight is Nancy Dimsdale. How are you, Nancy? Good. So this is my first time. Yeah, I was about to ask. Your first time reading for the open mic, yes? 
All right, glad to have you. Good luck. Thank you. The return. She comes to the frayed edge of the grass-choked lake at night, following sounds of the bullhorn's voice, calling from a rowboat circling back from the opposite shore. Bundled in a man's coat and scarf, she stands on the mud-softened ground, boots covered with once tall grass, bent from the heavy drifts of snow, melting now in an early March thaw. A sudden splash and she holds her breath. She knows without being told, knows from the drag of the boat cutting through the thin crust of ice that what she waits for cannot return to life. Unable to watch as the boat comes closer and the prow slides on shore, she looks up at the sky to find Cassiopeia, the constellation that made her son laugh just by the sound of its name. By the time the men unhook the rope, by the time they lay the bodies on the beach, her son and his best friend still clinging to his legs, she is on her knees weeping pulling weeds from their mouths. A brown flower lands casually on her son's lips, caught by the icicles melting from his nose. Soon the mist would rise from the lake, bringing birds overhead. But for now, she waits, warming his face with the gloved hands. Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. I don't know who sang that, but that's exactly what I was thinking. What a beautiful poem. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Uh, just like a classically lyric poem. Uh, it's like a throwback. It's I feel like appropriately called the return uh, for, for more than one reason. Uh, so many great images and phrases in this poem. Uh, keep coming back, Nancy. I love it. Okay. Glad you're a member, right? I think you're a member too, so you should definitely come back. <laughs> Uh, and keep reading your poems. Uh, some just wonderfully uh, beautiful natural imagery in this poem. Okay, uh, yeah, wow, wow. Our next poet tonight is, <laughs> uh, I'm already liking what I'm seeing on the page, Frank Rubino. How are you, Frank? Hey, good evening, I'm good. How are you guys? Um, well. Anyway, yeah. It's really nice to see everybody. I'm I'm buried in snow, actually. I'm sure a lot of you guys are too. Yeah, me too. Okay. Kong seems to be able to see my death. Kong seems to be able to catch Godzilla's breath in his hand and push it back down his throat. My wife took a phone call. It was okay, I'd be there. Kong threw a palm tree through a helicopter windshield. He threw a crashed helicopter through a flying helicopter. I heard my stepchild's voice. They needed my wife to listen. I heard the phone call, but I didn't say anything. When you're that young, you don't realize people can just die. I had a feeling dad was murdered for a while. Kong seems to be able to hide as a mountain. He's not real and available to me now. He's like Alice in Wonderland in a book. Sometimes I think about how I'm going to die. It's not a suicidal thing. I wonder, and I'm curious, and I'm scared. I heard the phone call going on, and sometimes I think about how I'm going to die, because when you're my age, you realize people can just die. 
I'm excited too. It's not a suicidal thing. Before he died, our relationship was bad and he would smell like coffee. I didn't talk to him for months. I break myself over that and over the hair on his arm and the way he'd lay his arm across the green couch reading a book. I heard the phone call, but I didn't say anything. When you're that young, you don't realize people can just die. We were planning a walk in Mills Reservation to see the sunset, but the phone call. All that time he spent on the green couch, we'd go to the pool at Yogi Bear Park and he'd have a booger. I'd be embarrassed and I'd break myself over that. I heard the phone call. We just go along and it's so important and it's sunset and I break myself over that. Kong has no armor. His healing is slow compared to Godzilla's who can use nuclear energy. My stepdaughter's mother talked on the phone. They have caution tape around their feelings lost in the green couch as we lost the sunset during the phone call. When you're a kid and you lose your parents, you're responsible for these objects they carry in the human realm. He used those tools I'm saving in the basement and he picked them and he showed them to me. I heard a phone, the phone call. I shouldn't talk, but it was okay I'd be there. I heard their throat and their heart create a tragic voice and my wife wanted me there to hear their tragic voice. I'd used his hacksaw to saw a tree limb that hooked our axle. I'd wanted to throw it out. I'd wanted to throw out his green sofa from our garage. I heard my child's voice and they needed my wife to listen. Our step relationship is bad and I smell like coffee. Kong punches Godzilla whose arms are short and puny. He can use his foot as a hand. The 104 feet high, he can tell friend from foe down on the ground and remains focused on your little round face. Kong can fight for you. Kong can catch you if he drops you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't know if you see Lee's comment. Kind of that is like a pantoon. You've been doing stuff like your last poem last month was kind of like this, where like the lines would come back at the yeah, end. I'm, start, I'm like into like this kind of weaving and stuff right now. It's, yeah. I don't know what is happening for me right now with that. It's fantastic strength. stuff. I love it. It's like, it's like, first it was like, a, it seemed like a really serious and moving and kind of sad poem, like very, very, very serious. And, and then it just gets kind of loopy at the end. And it's great. Uh, Kong punches Godzilla, whose arms are short and puny. Uh, he remains focused on your little round face. Uh, have you ever written a pantoon before? Do you know what that is? No, no, I, I know what that is. I just, yeah. I've never been, able, try. never been that um, excited to follow form so strictly. I uh, yeah. kind of like, you know, I, I'm kind of happier to be a little looser. Yeah, well, I mean, you're kind of doing it anyway, so yeah. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Uh, have you written a Sestina? Same thing, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you refuse you refuse <laughs> to accept the total constraints uh but yeah you're yeah. Kind of inventing your own thing which is great uh yeah this is a really it's a, it's an interesting landscape in this poem uh yeah i love i love it um it kind of goes with the internet theme too because it's basically yeah. like that internet content 
spilling through right real life yeah yeah good stuff very very original form um okay uh bonnie belay is bonnie here i can't yes i'm here oh great fantastic uh how you doing i'm doing fine i just want to mention that i'm on the other side of the divide i have never used the internet and i'm too old to be interested in it (laughs) you're using it right now bonnie you lie. I don't. Use, I don't use social. I don't use Facebook. I don't. Oh, use no that, social media. That kind of stuff. Okay. No, no social media. My dog has an Instagram account, but that's as far as I've gone. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. About men. Wow, that's what I was running away from. He yelled to his friend, who was standing next to the other fat girl in sixth grade dance without a partner. He put his hand on my shoulder. I don't remember dancing, but still feel shame in my 70s. Two, the guys bought two birthday cakes shaped like tits for the boss. The men sat together eating. They thought they were amusing. Three, my first boss at a horticulture school who'd never hired a woman before loaded my wheelbarrow with so many rocks, the tire went flat. Four, The office manager came into my small office uninvited. He knew what I thought of him. He told me women were sillies taking out their keys before reaching their front doors, and that's why they were attacked. He thought using the word sillies made what he said less offensive. Five, when my first husband left me, our marriage lasted less than a year. He told me he hated the way I walked, sat, chewed my food. Six, the pet rabbit bit one of his nasty children. He kicked it to death. I can hear him telling me wearing masks is for sissies. Poetry is for girls. Wow. Wow, yeah, I don't know who keeps saying wow, but (laughs) I'm with you. Oh man. Uh, Remember when we used to do the Yop in person and anytime uh, content like this would come come into the... uh, room i'd say fuck that guy <laughs> bring those good days back fuck that guy fuck all these guys um, what a great ending uh, it's very empowering fuck yeah poetry's for girls uh <laughs> my apologies to the men <laughs> and did that really happen did he really kick that rabbit to death yes god damn it this guy is from arkansas he's actually a friend of mine's brother-in-law and the whole family is is actually very vicious with animals. The mother keeps a, a, adopting foxes and killing them because she doesn't know how to take care of a wild animal. The guy kicked his the rabbit to death, and the children have pets that are always dying. It's it's real, it's a real case. That sounds horrible. I know, I know. Oh it's Lord. terrible. It's just terrible. And oh, it, it, I was uh, very scandalized when I heard it, so I wanted to put it in a poem. Yeah, well, you've definitely immortalized them. <laughs> uh, judgment shall rain down upon them. <laughs> okay, thank you, Bonnie. It's great to hear your thank poems you. again. Um, okay, we are nearing our close. I think we are to the one and only Dante Clark, winner of 2020 Yacht Poem of the Year. How are you, Dante? It's great to have you back. 
I am good. How are you? I'm doing well. All right. I'm excited. I saw this title earlier when I looked at the doc, the doc. So the duck, it's like, when I looked at the duck, I was excited to see your title. All right, go for it. All right. Cool. I am once again, searching Zillow for homes I can't afford. And there really isn't much to say about this other than I don't know what to do with a mule or 40 acres for that matter, but I'll take anything that's owed to me. Give it here in my pocket stitched temple, coin after coin till the tithe breaks my pants. Yes, I want the house with the good finishes, the one whose walls halt entry from the roaches I'm so used to seeing on the kitchen counter when my stone mouth begs for water at 3 a.m. Give me the house I'm owed, the one with enough space to fit all my family or some of my family or none of my family. Sometimes I just wanna be surrounded by my own echo with the echo saying, it's impossible for you to be alone. If you can hear me, give me, give me the home with the wide balcony so I can stretch my arms and marvel at the limits of my tiny wingspan on a breezy day, my shirt fluttering like the only flag I will ever salute. Give me a home with a rooftop garden. Let me get that. I want to talk to my plants where only the sky can eavesdrop on our morning gossip. And the lowest clouds better not say a word, especially if that word begins with rain. Fuck it. I want my home to have an elevator. Lift me up in the walls I own. The stairs are old news, history. And history talks too much for someone who owes me money at land and freedom. In fact, give me the home I already live in. Take it from my landlord. Put my landlord to work before I put them in the past. I'm owed every brick I can't afford on the new high rise in my old neighborhood. Let me get that so I can build something better or break some things instead. What else is there to do with all these stones and a good throwing arm? Gimme, I need that shelter. It's owed to me. Fuck I look like asking someone for something I'm supposed to own. Fuck they look like standing on land that should be taken back. Thank you. Goddamn, goddamn, goddamn. Uh, I don't know if you could see me while you're reading that, Dante. I was just smiling broader and broader with every line. That is a fucking masterpiece uh i was hearing some other people's lines in my head as as you were saying like let me get that <laughs> and uh fuck i look like asking someone for something i'm supposed to own i was hearing uh, i think bridge's line or i think it was max's line i'm a fucking marble <laughs> and uh bonnie's line poetry's for girls um yeah this is uh have you published this already? I feel like this needs to be published like now. Yeah, no, no. I just wrote this uh, like two weeks ago. Nice. Yeah, it's fantastic. Appreciate that. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Send that out there. I'm sure someone's going to scoop it up. Uh, very cool. I will. I will. Thank you. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Uh, I can see why you won Poem of the Year. Not surprising at all. Uh, all right, we are on to our last two readers. These are a couple staff members that uh, you know well. Uh, Jay Eason, who is thankful for hot chips in Aquarius season. Uh, go for it, Jay. Hi, I'm so upset that that's what I have to follow because I'm like, this is the first poem I've written in months that I actually enjoy. 
And it's a love poem. The first love poem I've ever written. Probably the last, but whatever. Um, Pantone 173930, Jacaranda. Canarsie's night sky drapes over us. The sweetness of summer wisps in and out of my car. We are parked in front of our house, actually a bit further down, so her mom won't see. And I'm not ready to say goodbye. The taillights in front of us reflect off her face like moonlight, illuminate her cupid's bow. I'm hoping she is as nervous as I am and wants this as badly as I do. This is our gay black version of the kiss. And I've never felt so intimate with someone who has never been inside me. Our eyes navigate to each other, map together all the pieces of us that have fallen into wreckage. We silently agree that we are ready, that we want this. My fingers hold steadily to her cheek, afraid that if I let go, she will dissolve into the seat beside me. Her hand rests on my neck, and I wonder if she's afraid of the same fate when the tension melds into lust and we kiss. It feels like rewind, slow, steady, remembering why the beginning always the best part. She feels like the thing I've been missing. And I don't want to open my eyes, have this moment become the past. So our lips continue to meet in the center console and we kiss and kiss and... Man, that's hot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you followed Dante very well, I would say. Uh, what a beautiful poem. Man, this line, I'm sorry, I'm scrolling on the wrong computer. It felt, what else? It feels like rewind. Oh my God. That just destroyed me. Um, true poetry right there. Uh, great stuff, Jay Eason. Uh, as always, uh, I'm glad you wrote this poem. And uh, yeah, uh, something more to say. <laughs> it's that the definitely car kissing is awkward, but this this seems like the opposite of the the normal awkwardness of the center console. I'm so glad you brought the center console up to the poem right before the big uh, transcendent finish. Uh, but uh, you definitely transfigured that very awkward object. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah. can't like not bring it up. It's you yeah. there. It's, it's like you never want the first kiss to be in a car because that the center console. <laughs> but uh, you really uh, you did a good job with it. <laughs> uh, all right, great stuff. All right, our last poem of the evening is by Joe Blair, our uh, trusted events manager who has been live tweeting tonight, and and now I think Renee is going to live tweet during Joe's reading. <laughs> Uh, okay, Joe, take it away. Okay, I'm really unhappy that I have to go after those two. I'm not okay at all. Thanks. I have a fan club. <laughs> but genuinely, I'm really not happy about that. Okay, um, here we go. This is a poem that I wrote. 
My best friend is having an abortion and I can't be there. So I send her flowers. It is not lost on me that the flowers will die. To show I understand the connection between supply and demand and death, is it better to tell you I'm a vegan or better to say that I survived the violence of a man who was told he couldn't have me? More impressive than the fact I survived is that I'm a vegan who waited until the fifth line to declare it. The thing is, we're all fucked. I fantasize about Jeff Bezos going broke, forced to run the corner store where I grew up, getting wrecked by night shifts. Meanwhile, my Whole Foods delivery is scheduled for 4 p.m. I'm trying to see if my unemployment money is enough to fly to my friend who is having this abortion alone. It's not. I send her flowers. In about a week, the flowers will die because I paid someone to kill them. At my desk, I am overwhelmed by the thought of my partner's lips. I think about interrupting his work. All the time I interrupt his work, but this time my friend calls. The pills have dissolved, but the blood won't come. Her fiance is not there. We don't talk about that. Instead, I talk about my first walk in the desert, about the cactus needles white in the sun, the bat's head cratered, matted, sweet brown like a wild moon, fallen from its skewered body, the victorious Troya, its spines, my sudden desire to become a cactus, to hold tiny heads, to grip onto bits of everything that has died after touching me. I don't know if this is the best story to tell. I've never been a mother, a holder of babies, an understander of almost. I think about right things at wrong times. I'm thinking about food when the blood comes. Over the phone, my best friend screams. I forget the pasteles in the cabinet. Something breaks, when is it over? Soon, I promise, without knowing which part she means. We are together on FaceTime for six hours and she apologizes for how long it takes. I tell her to shut up, tell her I love her more than ever. She screams in pain. Outside a white cloth billows in the breeze. When I was young, I thought of wind like a giant octopus, watched it comb through heads of palms, fronds tangling. In college, on the night of my abortion, I was alone except for the wind except for the voices outside my window, all of them howling. If I hold my friend's suffering to my ear, an octopus feeds me so much breath, I drown. When we hang up, I am so quiet. In bed, Jay presses his palm against my closed eyes. A storm hovers over the wood beams of our ceiling. I try to breathe, but I am suddenly sobbing. Jay talks about tears like they're rain, like they're as natural as the periodic swelling of the sky. Last week, I tried to categorize a depressive episode by naming it after weather. I have lost track of my edges inside this bed. I am suddenly 19 after years of forgetting I was ever 19. For a second, the sobbing stops. What was the name of that cloud, Jay asks. I don't know. I never named it. I never named her. I saw her once 10 years ago, that same night, saw how she might have been, black-haired, fat-faced, and slobbery. I woke up mouthful of chalk. To show I understand the relationship between love and decision and suffering, is it better to tell you I will always feel like I failed as a mother, or that I am certain I will never regret my abortion? 
I am so tired of trying to name an unnameable wave, of imagining pain like it's weather. But if there were a cloud for us who have had abortions, it would fit exactly into the cloud of motherhood. Why does no one ever talk about this? Why don't we admit that sometimes there is wondering? That is that the same as regret? I'm sure someone will ask, but there is no regret. Never regret and still grief. I don't know who turns off the lights, but in the dark, I feel the true vastness of my love's hands for the first time. I sleep a little animal between his palms. Tomorrow we will water our plants and swing in our hammock and kiss in a moment in a slanting of light no one has touched before us. I will call my mother. I will smile at every woman on the street. I will order the deaths of thousands of roses. I will have their bodies left open mouth on doorsteps across the world. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I assume that's Jay in the background. Uh, it is Jay. It is Jay in the background. <laughs> wow. You and Jay both are like, oh, I'm so sad I have to follow Dante's poem. <laughs> Just crushed it. Um this might be the best poem I've ever heard from you, Joe. And uh, I've heard a lot of good poems. This is a really amazing poem. Thank you. Uh, just kind of staggered by it. Um, wow, it's, first of all, I have to say, I appreciate the vegan humor in the beginning. I wish Anna was here to hear that, that part of the poem, but uh, man, it gets uh, so powerful. <laughs> As you get into it, I thought it was just, I thought it was going to be like a funny poem at first. And then, uh, man, it just slaughtered us. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Jay appreciated my commentary. Um, okay. Uh, damn, what a finish. Um, I can see why we have these people. I thought you were like becoming a lawyer or something. I thought you gave up poetry. Clearly, <laughs> not. I mean, I, they're not mutually exclusive. I can yeah. do it all. That's what I told you. I mean, it's not, that was like a fool's dream. Joda's fucking I'm a lawyer. I've, I've given up on poetry to become a lawyer. I know. Joda's right. applying to MFA programs and law school at the same time. This doesn't stop. <laughs> what sticks? No. Uh, just write poetry. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, let's review. Um, Harvey, you have your hand raised. Uh, do you have a question? You're 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 muted again, Harvey. <laughs> no question. Okay, I see you shaking your head on my other screen. Okay, uh, let's review uh, again to vote for poem of the month. I put my number in the chat: seven one eight three seven four one nine five three. I don't know who the fuck you're gonna vote for tonight. I'm sorry, but uh, damn, uh, there were some great poems tonight. Um, that was Joe Blair. Uh, before that, we had Jay Eason, the central and <laughs> the center console, which will live in my heart forever. Uh, before that was Dante Clark, uh, searching Zillow for homes uh, he can afford, uh, forever also immortalizing Zillow, which I've used way too much in my life. Before that, we had Bonnie Belay and fuck those guys. Uh, before Bonnie, we had uh, King Kong, Godzilla, Frank Rubino. Man, just reviewing these, it's just, uh, it's really bringing some happy memories from just like 10 minutes ago. Before Frank, we had Nancy Dimsdale with this beautiful poem, The Return. 
For Nancy, we had Todd Friedman, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest poem, which was great. Uh, I can't say enough good things about these poems. Who are you going to vote for tonight? Jesus. Uh, before, before Todd, we had Sarah Lynn Rogers, this hilarious poem, Cosmic Tantrum. Before Sarah, we had uh, Seth Leeper and his Velocity. Uh, I can't remember what this is called. Comedians are fueled by family tragedies, a real painting. Seth Leeper. Before Seth, we had Faye Lee, American Fancy. <laughs> Another great poem. Before Faye, Jesse Bailey. Uh, I'm honestly just like flabbergasted right now. I have no idea who I'm going to vote for. Uh, before Jesse, we had uh, Harvey's poem. Uh, also great. Uh, and who had his hand raised? I'm not sure what he wanted to ask. <laughs> before Harvey, we had Stella Lee. Uh, another great poem. You just sound like a broken record at this point. Before that, I think this is Earl Carlson with the great form, great voice, fragrance. Before Earl, we had uh, this very proof rock inspired. Surendria. Yes, thank you, <laughs> Surendria. <laughs> uh, I think I'll remember that for the podcast. Surendria. It's a beautiful name, beautiful poem, great tribute uh, in some ways to uh, Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Before that, Bridget Duffy, Untitled, beautiful poem about her dog. Uh, before Bridget, Suzanne S. Austin Hill, these great references, the montage poem called Slowing Down to Feel. We're close to the beginning before Suzanne, we had, uh, oh yes, I'm a fucking Marvel, who can forget, Max Mosa. Before Max, we had Zan Jacobus, All Souls Bells. Before Zan, uh, we had Kate Gardner with Witness. And I think we are almost all the way back to the beginning. Uh, our first poet of the evening was Matthew Atabit. Yes, is that right, Matthew? Matthew Atabit with Remember. Uh, and before that was Lee Stein. So uh, this is Lee Stein's cover again. Uh, you can't vote for Lee. Uh, she's a feature reader. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can, but you'd be wasting your vote. Uh, Lee's got enough accolades. Uh, vote 718-374-1953. Just give me the poet's name. Uh, that will suffice. Uh, what a, uh, Just an amazing open mic, people. Um, never cease to be amazed at the... Uh, the greatness of the poems I hear here every month uh, definitely sustains me and keeps me going, uh, <laughs> especially when the school semester starts and I start dealing with uh, institutional bullshit uh, from uh, powers that be at my university who abuse me <laughs> every moment they get. Uh, it's I think it definitely uh, keeps me feeling young and alive and uh, all those good things. Um, I think someone said tonight, uh, they thanked me for being affirmative. I think that was Alan, but uh, truly it is you I should thank because uh, your poems affirm life. And that is just easy for me to affirm. I'm not really doing anything, honestly. I'm just grunting and uh, nodding along with my approval as you read these amazing poems. So again, 718-374-1953. I'll put it in the chat one more time if you haven't voted yet. Uh, again, next Thursday, February 18th, I guess I should say two Thursdays from now, sometimes people get confused. Uh, not this Thursday, but the next Thursday, February 18th, we have our Broken Post Reading Series event on Zoom, 7 p.m., free and open to the public. Uh, Ricardo Alberto Maldonado, Hafiza Gitter. Uh, I'm not sure I'm saying her name correctly, so uh, if she corrects me, I will correct that next Thursday. And uh, Tarfia Faizula, 
my old friend who I haven't heard from in a while. So I'm excited to hear her read, especially. Uh, hope to see you at that event. Again, if you're interested in our workshops, go to brokenpoets.org. There's still uh, some workshops open, especially as we've added three new sections of three workshops that had sold out. Lee Stein still got a little space in her workshop, filling the page, Prose for Poets. I think there's maybe four spots left. Uh, that's an asynchronous workshop. What that means is there's no regular class time. So it's perfect for you if, you, if you're really busy or perhaps in a different time zone <laughs> and the Eastern time zone in the US doesn't work for you. Uh, that would be a great way for you to, to work with Lee Stein, who uh, I don't think I need to say is a brilliant teacher that you can work with. Um, thanks for, uh, to Lee Stein for leading this amazing workshop and kicking off the uh, open mic tonight. Uh, we're excited for your new book, of course, which we will wait for in Leo season. Uh, thanks to all my staff. Uh, you're beautiful. You're brilliant. Uh, you're hardworking. You're reliable. It's probably the most important quality, as we all know. Uh, yes. Uh, am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. But uh, oh, listen to our podcast. This podcast will, usually comes out every about two weeks after the YAP. Uh, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate us five stars. If you haven't signed up for the next YAP, uh, that's that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> if you want to read and never read before, the open mic lineup fills very quickly. So I would sign up right now. Uh, it'll probably be full by tomorrow. Uh, as we've been doing it virtual, uh, we don't really have much time for the wait list anymore and it's too chaotic because we we do ask for the text of the poems to be shared in advance uh if you can't get the text to us in time uh we're, we can't share we just that's just how we're doing it we want to apply uh provide accommodations for our guests so uh you've got to be able to send us the text in advance otherwise uh, you can't read for the open mic uh, that's why we don't just do this ad hoc wait list anymore as we did when we did this in person so uh, the best way to solve that problem is by signing up for the open mic right now. It is live. Uh, the March 8th YAP uh, will be led by Gregory Crosby, who many of you know. Uh, Gregory's got a new book coming out uh, called uh, Said No One Ever. <laughs> Another great title. It's sort of like uh, rhymes with your title, uh, Lee, I think. Said No One Ever, What to Miss When. Uh, this is going to be with Brooklyn Arts Press it's coming out very soon. I think they're about to promote the book launch, which will be, in fact, I'm a little sad because I just remembered that book launch will also be on February 18th because, uh, he asked me to read for it, but I was like, shit, we're doing our another event. Uh, so you can choose whether to come to our event, or go to Gregory's, uh, I would say support Gregory if you've been to our events before, but I won't fault you, whatever you choose. Uh, Gregory is great. He's really funny. He knows a lot about movies and many other things. Uh, he's going to be teaching a workshop on the poetic sequence this spring. So that workshop next month will be giving you a little preview of that. Okay, enough talk for me. I'm ready to eat dinner. Uh, have a great night. Uh, be safe. Be warm. <laughs> it's cold out there for some of us, not named Joe. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's great to see you all. We'll see you next month. Bye, guys. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thanks for great yeah. poems. Bye-bye now. There you have it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for February. Thanks to our brilliant professor, Lee Stein, for leading a great workshop on uh, the seductive draining powers of the internet and how we might 
combat that influence by use of our senses. Remember our senses? I've heard we have five. <laughs> uh, Lee is amazing, and it was great to uh, just be with her again in an online space, uh, if not a physical space, and to hear the hilarious poems from her forthcoming poetry book, What to Miss When. I recommend you pre-order that because uh, it's great. Congrats to our events manager, Joe Blair, for winning Yacht Poem of the Month for truly one of the, the great poems that I've ever heard at the Yacht called My Best Friend is Having an Abortion and I Can't Be There So I Send Her Flowers. Just a beautiful poem. Joe uh, always gets free admission to the op anyway, since she's a staff member, but uh, if she weren't a staff member, she would have earned free admission to a future yop, and what she certainly has earned is a Brooklyn Post tote bag and a spot in our Poem of the Year Smackdown in December. Our next yop comes your way on March 8th. That will be led by Gregory Crosby, who is leading a workshop for us this spring called uh, poetic Sequence. I think it's called The Poetic Sequence. Either that or Poetic Sequences. Singular or plural, I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm sure that workshop on March 8th will give you a glimpse of uh, how to write a poetic sequence. Gregory has a new book, uh, a new book called uh, Said No One Ever, which is great. Uh, I just ordered it from Brooklyn Arts Press. It hasn't arrived yet, so I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm sure I'll get it soon. Uh, to sign up for the Yop, go to brooklynpoets.org, go to the events tab, find Yop, sign up, <laughs> need your name and email. Uh, the open mic lineup usually fills pretty quickly, the one for March is uh, already full, but uh, if you come to the Yop in March and sign up really quickly at the end of the night, uh, you'll probably get on the list. Uh, we appreciate all of you that continue to support us by attending the Yop virtually and uh, by subscribing to the Yopcast on iTunes and rating us five stars. Um, that's all I've got. If you haven't seen the announcement uh, today, this is February 23rd, Tuesday. We just uh, launched our first craft lab with Jay Despondé. Uh, that'll be on March 14th, so if you're hearing this uh, after we publish it, check that out, brooklynpost.org, look at craft labs. His first craft lab is called Prosody and its Decolonization. So. Great subject. I'm sure it'll be great because Jay is great. Uh, thanks for listening. We will see you next time in March. Take care.